the house of the Lord and a great day in the house where you're standing. And so this morning, um, I'm just going to kind of get real with you and uh, just speak to you about peace is really the topic of this class. But in a lot of ways, I'm just going to be sharing just somewhat of a testimony of what God's been manifesting in my life, in my home, through his peace, through his scriptures. And I believe that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we are overcomers. And this is really an incredible day to be living in the Lord and to be serving him on this earth. Um, we must have his peace. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, um, his peace and his presence are going to be interchangeable for me as I speak about this because you cannot have his peace without his presence. His, his peace, his presence manifests his peace. And so um, that's really the topic that we're going to be talking about. But before we do, I want to give just a little bit of a, um, a filibuster if you will, because I, I found a couple of things in Scripture that I want to share with you. It's not on your teaching sheet, and so I'm going to read these passages of Scripture to you. But as I was reading, I've been in the Word, just like you have, I'm sure, just so much. And um, I found a couple of instances in Scripture where the Lord speaks about distance or separation. And I really feel like this applies to where we are because I fully believe that we are going into a new land. I truly believe that we are stepping into new territory. We are breaking through into um, the promise of what God has for us in this next season. And, and we're going in in a new way into a new place. Amen? Do you believe that? Things are not going to be the way they were ever again. And so we have to really um, gird our minds up and allow our minds to take on um, just the creative thinking of the way that God does things and really be able to partner with the new way God is doing things and into the new place that he is taking us. And so I'm going to read out of Exodus 33. And then I'm going to, Exodus 33, if you want to look it up in your Bibles, but I will read it, um, verses 1 through 3 and verses 7 through 11. And then we're going to jump into Joshua, and I'm going to read a quick passage of Scripture Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and verses 7 through 11. No coincidence there. Now, this season, every one of us, um, we've been standing in the place where God has us. We've been standing in our homes. We've been establishing altars. We've been cultivating his presence. And we've been doing the bidding of the Lord from the place where he has us it, during this time of quarantine or shelter in place. But I just want to read to you a couple of instances where something very similar happened. Both speak of stepping into the new land. The first is with Moses. And beginning with verse 1 in chapter 33, it says, And Yahweh said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. So God is saying, I'm giving you this new land. And then he says, And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, the Hevites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. He's going to drive them out. The battle is his. 
unto the land with milk and honey, for I will not go in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume them along the way. So he's speaking to Moses, and he's saying, I'm going to send you into this new land. I'm going to send an angel before you, but I'm not going to go because your people are stiff-necked, and I'll consume them if I do. Okay? So then, beginning with verse 7, it says, And Moses took the tabernacle, and he pitched it without the tent, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up, and every man stood at his tent door. This is the social distancing. And looked after Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and Yahweh talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. So Moses was going into the, 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 the tabernacle of the congregation, and every man stood in his house, at the doorway of his house, and worshipped. That's exactly what we're doing. And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend, and he turned again unto the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, the young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And then we, we know that Moses talks with God, and he, he tells him, you know, show me, show me the way. And then he begins to deliberate and say, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, I won't go. And Moses really, you know, touched the heart of Yahweh, and Yahweh said, okay, I'll go with you. I'll go before you. And you know what? Where we're going, we go in his presence. We go in his presence. It doesn't matter if you're standing in your tent door. You're standing in your tent door, inhabiting his presence, and looking towards his, his plan which is what Moses was representing when he would go in and, and God would speak face to face. Yahweh spoke face to face with him. So I say all that to say where you've been and what God has had you do in establishing his presence and his peace and cultivating that there in your place, in your dwelling place, in your tent door has been so important. Because it is preparing every single one of us to go forward into the promised land with our eyes on his plan, following his presence, following his peace into that place of promise. But it's not going to look like it did before. Amen? And then the second instance in Joshua chapter 3. I'm going to begin and read verse, verse 1 and read through 11. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass that for three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from this place and go after it. So this is on down the road. Joshua is now in charge, and he's establishing this movement forward to cross over the Jordan into the Promised Land. They've got the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. Verse 4, Yet there shall be a space 
between you and it. There's our distancing. About 2,000 cubits by measure, come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye have to go. So God established this distancing so that they could see the ark. It was necessary. There's something in this season that is so necessary for us. That as we've taken our place and we've stood in the place of our own tent, in the doorway of our own tent and established his presence in our dwelling places, establishing these hastes of prayer all over the world, he's preparing us to be able to look ahead and see him and to see his presence and to follow after that presence into the promise. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which you must go. For ye have not passed this way before. It's a brand new road, a brand new way. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow Yahweh will do wonders among you. And then Yahweh said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will be with you. We won't go without him, but he's leading us. So don't, you know, if you feel alone out there, if you feel like you're just there standing all alone, God is preparing you, preparing you to follow after him in such a magnificent way with the company of saints, with the congregation. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this, okay, I said that. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when ye come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail... Drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Hevites, the Parasites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. There is such purpose in this season. It is such preparation we are heading into a place that we've never been before. There's expansion in the kingdom. We are pioneers. We are traversing the untrodden path into atmospheres of uncertainty. And it has felt so uncertain. But you know what? Whenever there is breakthrough into new ter territory, you always will face giants in the land. It has been a season of battle. And I can go back until January, the beginning of this. I mean, it has been a season of battle. But in the path of our duty, as we proceed, we proceed with boldness and confidence, with cheerfulness, regardless of whether or not we face suffering or poverty or pain or labor or persecution or reproach or anything that any of you, any of us may have experienced over these last number of days. But we know that God is faithful. And he is leading us into a promise that is just extraordinary. And so he creates a distance. And it's, he, did this, any of this catch him off surprise? By surprise? No, he knew. And so I love the way God's people have just embraced the moment, kept our eyes on him, kept moving forward in the midst of 
really the struggles and the challenges that we've all faced just through the battle. But we are fighting on his behalf. We are fighting on behalf of expanding the kingdom. We are fighting on behalf of taking that territory. And, and yet we know, and he said this to me so many times over the last number of months, the battle is the Lord's. We're just privileged to be able to war with him, with the Lord of hosts. So these are good days. These are good days. Amen? Amen. So now to our topic of peace. This is really, in a lot of ways, just a testimony, and I said this already, of the way that the Lord has um, just manifest himself in my life, in my home, here in this sanctuary. And, and you know, we've all, we've all been taught about peace. We've understood peace. Um, but I have not known peace like I have during this season. And so that's really what I want to share today. And, I, and like I said, I, I'm just going to get, get real with you because um, I stand up here in my weakness, in my limitations. And all I have is him. He's everything. And um, so I just ask him that his words, that his spirit would just flow through me and, and express exactly what he has for his people during this hour. And I ask him for his anointing. Amen. So this has been just truly an extraordinary season in so many ways. And, and I know that things are never going to be normal, what we thought normal was or what normal was to us before. But I can't wait till the day to where we can gather together and we can give testimony and share um, so many of the things that God's done in and through our lives and really lay claim to um, the moving forward that we have continued to do. You know, we've experienced separation in the natural, but like we just read in those passages, it is a sign of pending promise in the new land. And one of the things that the Lord really spoke to me just this last week is I was just, you know, meditating on just the, the separation is that he reminded me that nothing can separate us from, his, from the agape, from his love. God is love. And nothing can separate us from that breathing hard after his purpose. And we are all in that place in his heart together. And so whether or not it's... it's you know, in the natural, it's separation. To get, we are together in the midst of his agape, and um, that will never change. Amen? He's just showing us his heart, and he's drawing us into a deeper place, and he's creating that burning desire within us to pursue him in new and creative and amazing ways. And all the while, you know, the enemy continues to try to stop us from moving forward to accomplishing what God has for us in this year of wisdom, all the things that have been promised. But in the midst of that, we have continued as a people to press through. We've continued in prayer. We've continued in intercession and fasting and supplication. We've continued in honoring the fast of feasting with, with what comes out of our mouth. Um, all of our duties before the Lord, we continue to move forward Yet in the natural realm, it seems like it's a big pause. 
the battle continues. But I can promise you this, that every single one of us is being developed, is being trained, is being prepared, is even being chastened. And we need to know with confidence that through the trials and through the pressures, through the uncertainty, he is undeniably faithful. How else would he train us and prepare us and to develop us than to put us in situations where we have to overcome? And none of it is in vain. Every single moment that you are living is, has purpose. Every moment, and it's all to yield the victory in this season that he has for us. All the things that he has promised for this year, all these things are being worked in and through you to see the perfect completion of his mission in this moment and in this year. Because this season has incredible divine promise. And we're going to look back on this season in 2020 and marvel at what God did in his people. Amen? Amen? There were so many topics I could have talked about. Perfect love casts out fear, because there's been fear. <laughs> Patience and waiting, because there's been excruciating waiting and patience. Count it all joy. Being tried in the fire. All of it has just been so alive in my life and maybe in your life as well. But the most prevalent is really this thought of peace and this, this atmosphere of priest, peace and his presence. And, um, and I've known in the midst of turmoil and in the midst of fear and in the midst of uncertainty, these incredible days of a peaceable life that I can live in God. Because the most important thing to me is that I'm a carrier of his peace, that I'm a carrier of his presence, that I sow in peace and reap in peace, and I make peace wherever I go, and that his overflowing presence would come out of me. And when I emerge from this season, I emerge renewed with that overflow coming through, that he would manifest in the most extraordinary ways through every one of us, through every joy, through every trial, and that his countenance would dwell upon us would shine upon us so that when we are actually sent forth, that countenance of his light changes atmospheres. Amen? Don't you want that? So let's, let's define peace before we jump into to, to Scripture, and I've got to get moving quickly here. Um, we've studied about peace, and I'm going to give you some textbook nematocost definitions for it um, just to refresh you. We've got two um, words Hebrew and Greek that really are interchangeable. We know that shalom is the Hebrew word, and it literally means completion and fulfillment. It means to be complete, to be sound, to have welfare, to be in a state of wholeness, unity, to be restored. Um, but we know that the idea of shalom is really blessing the intended pathway, the intended journey that God has us on, his mission, the objective is of that journey and with great confidence, blessing the return and fulfillment. Knowing that the journey was fulfilled with victory and with great success. And we know, we've learned that when you say shalom, if, if any of you have watched The Chosen, which I've, I've given a commercial for before, you notice that, you know, whenever they're saying goodbye, they, they say shalom. 
And what they're doing is they're blessing their journey. They're blessing who they are in the Lord and the mission that God has for them and speaking blessing for them to return with victory, with success. Shalom. It's, it's, it's completion. It's soundness. It's, you know, I have to be really careful to say this because the, the, the enemy has really um, captivated, I guess, this idea. But to me, when I think about peace, I am completely and totally centered in God. And God is totally and completely centered in me. And you see how the enemy has distorted that. But that's where we should be. That's who we should be. That's how we should live as his presence of peace dwells within us. So shalom, it denotes the progression of the intended pathway toward the successful completion and purpose, even in warfare, especially in warfare. So when we speak of peace in the midst of warfare, we are speaking a successful engagement with the enemy overcoming victory in obtaining the objective of dominion of what God has for us in the midst of that battle and coming back successfully. That is shalom. Peace is not the absence of conflict or challenge, but it's the triumph through it, within it and through it. It is confidence. It is surety in who we are serving, who is within us, that the battle belongs to the Lord and that we are fighting on his behalf. Of his perfect pur purpose. Amen? So, shalom speaks of bringing something to an appointed end, entering to a state of wholeness and unity and restoration in the midst. Then the New Testament piece, translated as the word erin, it literally means to join, or the root of it means to join. So, it means oneness, okay? It means reliability, soundness, security, but it's equated with shalom because it's a direct, you know, there's direct quotations with the Old Testament. And so it also relies upon the surety and the objective of the mission or the task at hand to prosper and to succeed in partnership as one with God. Is all that clear? Have I said it enough times? <laughs> so peace, Old and New Testament, is the acceptance of the will of God, his plan, and the acceptance of the application and the process of it. So to be in peace, we have to be in his will. We have to be in his plan. We have to be surrendered to his perfect plan no matter what it is. And we have to trust him throughout, throughout the process, throughout the journey to know that he is going to bring it to an expected end. He is. Often peace is understood as stillness and silence. I've experienced that. I've experienced the contrary to that. You know, battle is not always this bombastic action of swinging swords. Sometimes the greatest weapon in battle is simply to stand or to worship. To stand in the resolve of what God has promised and not to waver. But we have to understand the deeper meaning of our calling as sons. And it is to expand the kingdom. And when you expand the kingdom, you step into warfare because you have to overtake the giants. We're not merely on this earth to find a resting place of comfort. We're not. And so often Christians think that when it's not like that, something's wrong. This is what the church needs to be awakened to. 
We are citizens of the kingdom of God, and our lives are in his hand. We are on this earth to fulfill his eternal plan in the world that we dwell in. So for us, peace partners with the dedication to his will and his ways and our surrender to being a vessel and to being one that partners with him in it. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ did. He's the Prince of Peace, and this is what he intended us to do, and even greater. Amen? Amen. So we've got to follow after peace. One of the things that I have found to be an enemy of peace is fear. Fear is, I hate fear. It will disturb your peace like nothing else. It will paralyze you. I read this quote somewhere that says, Fear doesn't stop death, it stops life. And worrying doesn't take away tomorrow's trouble, it takes away today's peace. That is so true. That is so true. Peace, his peace is real. And for me, it has sustained everything. It has in my life. The God of peace will be with us through everything, throughout everything. Every season, even this crazy season. And we will walk in peace at the beginning of the battle, in the midst of the testing, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the battle, and we will celebrate victory. Amen? Amen. So let's look at some of these scriptures that I've given to you. Um, some of them I'm just giving to you just to lay a foundation and to remind you of who you are in him. And then some are very personal to me. So we're going to start with Jeremiah 29, 11. I figure since this is graduation weekend or these last couple of weekends, I would give the passage that is probably most quoted during graduation. <laughs> is that true? I think I've written this passage in about a dozen graduation cards over the course of the last couple of years. But it's a beautiful passage. And, you know, when, where did we get, when did we get to where we read these passages and they're just kind of, mo you know? This is God's words to us. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I, this is God saying to us, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He knows his thoughts, says Yahweh, says his eternal plan. And they are thoughts of peace not of evil, and they are to give you an expected end. I'm going to tell you what's on God's thoughts right now, you. Psalm 139 verse 18 says, His thoughts towards you outnumber the sands of every seashore upon the earth. So I'm going to tell you right now, God's thinking about you. His thoughts are on you and his thoughts are of peace to give you an expected end. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows your story from the beginning to the end. You don't know it. You know where you are today, but even still, he knows your story. He knows how it's going to end. And his thoughts of you are victory of success as you surrender yourself to the journey, to the process of peace. So from before the foundation of the world, he thought of you. And he had a plan for you. And let me, just, let me just touch on the word thoughts. We've studied this, and it was one of my favorite teachings that um, Pastor Ron did. And, and it's this word 
Mahashahaba, and I probably didn't say that right, but there's a lot of syllable. There's a lot of syllables in there. A lot of H's and a lot of SH's. Mahashaba. And it means to create, to have new ideas, to devise, to deduce, to meditate, to contemplate, to invent, to tabulate, to account, to make a, jo a, 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 a judgment. And the root of it means to weave or to plait. So the mind of God, the thoughts of God, are so intricately woven in his being but they are, they are thoughts of creativity. They are thoughts of fresh and new ideas. They are thoughts that he meditates and he contemplates you and who you are and what his plan is for you. And all of that leads to peace. All of that, all those thoughts that he has had for you lead to the expected end that he has for you. So there's no need to worry. There's no need to fret. There's no need to fear or have anxiety because you're on God's mind. And he knows your end from the beginning. That reality should fill our hearts with joy. I know I tell you this right now, and this is something that I've learned. The manifestation of inner peace is outward joy. I know when my peace is disturbed. And everybody in the room knows it too. Remember that. He put, this, he put us on this earth during this time frame. He's not surprised. His thoughts are on us, every single one of us, and, and he knows exactly the victory that we will celebrate. Amen? Second passage, Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 13. This is another very, very well-known passage that sometimes we read, and it's so poetic and so beautiful. But I really want us to see what God's saying when it comes to his peace. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Thank God for that says Yahweh, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the wane comes down, and the snow from heaven returns not thither, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. His ways are perfect. He is speaking of his word, his thoughts over us, and he likens to the rain that he brings to water the seed to bring forth fruit. That is his word over you. It's perfect. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return void, but it will accomplish all which I please, and it will salah, it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy. This is our part. This is really our part. This word for joy literally means to to express an attitude of expectancy and hope. So we go out with joy and he leads us forth in peace into the victory, through the journey, through the mission, through the process, whatever it is. He leads us with his peace through his gracious and powerful presence. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you unto singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. I just, I, I really just, this has always been one of my favorite passages of Scripture, but I just want you to remember that his thoughts are so much higher, 
And nothing that he has promised, nothing that he has spoken will return void. It will be fulfilled. It will be fruitful in your life. It will break through. It will, it will bring him pleasure. And through it all, as we go out with joy, as we go out with that expectancy and that hope, he will lead us in peace and bring us to that expected end. Amen? I love what Solomon said, and this isn't on your sheet, I don't think, but let me just quote a quick verse in 1 Kings chapter 54 through 57. This is when um, he had just prayed at the dedication of the temple, and it said, and, and it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all the prayer and supplication unto Yahweh, he rose up from the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven, and he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed is Yahweh that has given rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he has promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. His word will not fail. The Lord God be with us as he was with our, our fathers. Let him not leave us or forsake us. Amen? Okay. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 5 through 7. I had to include this because I really feel very strongly that this is a prophetic word for us just in this hour. You know, we're, we're, we seem like we're in a holding pattern, but we're not. We're moving forward, and we're also in a very transitory state, you know, where there's transition um, and pending breakthrough. Isaiah 9, verse 5. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be of the, with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. I love that. So in everything that we've talked about with peace, there is no end. This is eternity for us, guys. To be led forth in his peace, to function, to journey, to, to, to be faithful to the mission, to know that in the midst of the mission, as we're faithful in it, he will bring it forth into a point of completion and fulfillment and victory. That is our eternity. There is no end to his peace. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So what does this mean for us? Well, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He proceeds in power and obedience according to the will of the Heavenly Father. We see here that the expansion of the government, his government will have no end, and, it, and the pathway of peace is going to extend through eternity. He gave us the promise of sonship. And the government that rests upon his shoulders, the rank and the authority to represent the throne, he also gives and leads his sons on behalf of the kingdom business, which is our pathway of peace. Now, there are, there are moments in our walk as a people where we need to recognize transition and where we, in the midst of the battle, because we are in battle and we do get bloody, that those, is the, those things that are put upon us 
when we receive our orders to go forth in battle on behalf of him, our sandals, um, our, our, our bloody garments, they have to be laid down before the Lord as an offering. And that judgment and burning will consume upon the altar what we have laid down from previous battles. This is just a necessary spiritual transaction that we must acknowledge. We've, the Bible speaks that our, of our need for our garments to be exchanged at the beginning of new and creative seasons on behalf of the throne of the Lord. So we've got to submit ourselves to what he would require of us in the new day. And in the midst of that, um, in our service before him, in this walk of peace, in the midst of this battle, we got to be willing to lay down our identity, our victories, the trophies that we have gotten in battle, to the one who has called us and preserved us through all of it. And we have to be put upon with new ways to serve and trusted with new assignments as we go into this new day that we're leading into. Do you understand that? So I really believe that this season, as, as we move forward and we know that we're stepping into this trans, transitory period, this, this time of, of, of a fresh beginning, and I know it's out there, that we've got to lay down all the bloody garments. We've got to lay down all the old stuff. It's like the new wineskin. And that's just something that I just felt like I needed to share, and I felt like it's a word for us um, just for this time. So just be before the Lord about that. The blessing, number 6, 22 through 27. And Yahweh spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise shall you bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Yahweh make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Our greatest treasure is the Lord himself is his presence and our greatest privilege is to manifest him here upon the earth partnership is what we were created for but it is powerless without relationship without commune with that living God and without just being in partnership with the all-powerful one and so here Moses gives this or the Lord has Moses blessed the people? We receive this blessing, but I want to just look at the different aspects of this blessing because it truly speaks of our walk of peace. First of all, it says, the Lord bless thee. Yahweh, his eternal plan, bless thee. And we know, we understand this, this principle of Barak where you, you, you bow the knee before the superior and authority for us before the Lord and his power for commissioning and empowerment to move forth. So this is the blessing of our mission. This is the, the, um, the commissioning of our mission, if you will, in our walk of peace. And as we do that, he says he will keep us. He will shamar us. And this means he will hedge about us. He will protect us. But it comes from the word shema. So as we bow down, we receive our commissioning. We open our ears to hear and to obey his directive to move forward and to apply what he has spoken for us. And then he says, his face, you know, the turning of his face, his countenance, 
will shine upon us. And that face is like the fluency of, mo of movement to flow with his spirit, to flow with the direction which he is going in whatever way that he leads us. And then it says, and he will be gracious unto us. His grace, as we call upon him, he will move us up higher into the place of promotion, into the place of um, overcoming and success. I absolutely love that. This is our walk of peace, and this is the blessing that God puts upon our walk of peace. And as we receive that blessing, he lifts his countenance upon us, and he gives us peace. Amen? Amen. Now, we're going to segue into the, the new covenant, and, and this, this is really personal for me because this is really the place where where I, I really, um, I just, it, it's like the Lord ministered his peace to me through these scriptures. And I love that. His word is alive. And really, an, uh, just a deeper understanding of, of what his peace is. Okay, so begin, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 22. And remember that, the new covenant peace, the root of that means to join. That is the heart of God for us, that we would be one with him, that we would walk this walk with him and see the fulfillment to the end. Amen? So it begins with saying, For he is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Have it, aren't you thankful? <laughs> I'm so thankful having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. He joined us together and he made peace. And that we might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and he preached peace to you which were far off and them that were nigh. For through him we have... We both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you, whom you also are builded together for a habitation, habitation of God through the Spirit. I love this, and I'm so thankful for what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. He truly is our peace. Every measure of mission, every measure of success, every measure of completion at the throne of God is made possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. Every measure. And he is our peace. He single-handedly made and defined the meaning of peace for us from the foundation of the world. He reconciled us to God. He joined us to God while destroying the limitations of the Old Covenant. Aren't you thankful? This produced the achievement of peace concerning the intention of God for humanity. And because of him, he's the doorway to the Father. There's no more veil. 
There's no more mediator. We have perfect access to our Heavenly Father by one spirit unto him. In oneness, to be joined to him in partnership, in completion, and in success because of what he did for us. He is our peace. And I just want to say thank you. And then this next verse. This is also very personal. You know, when Jesus um, came out of the, the tomb and he goes to meet, he, you know, he met the, the man on the road to Emmaus and then he goes to meet his disciples. What was the first thing he said to them? Peace. He said peace to them. He declared peace to them. It's so important. It's so vital that we receive this. And these are his parting words to them. And he speaks of peace once again. John 14, 25 through 27. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom my Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And then he says to them, Peace I leave with you. My peace, his peace that he has, I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give my peace to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Truly, this was the greatest demonstration of peace in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he gave that to us, that he spoke that over us, that, that he declares that to us. He paid for it, he lived it, he overcame it, and now he sows it into us. That's nothing short of being remarkable. And it's this very dimension of his spirit that enables us not to be troubled or afraid. Not in the face of anything. He knew what they were about to face. He knew exactly what they were about to face. but to fully trust in his plan and the pathway that leads us into the perfect fulfillment of his plan. That's what he spoke over us. That's what he gives to us. And he just promised them the greater works that they would do. They, I don't even think they could even grasp what he was saying. Can you imagine? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. That was his parting words. He brought it in the flesh. He carried it about in his own person. He died to make it ours. He left it as our heritage. He imparts it and maintains it by his spirit. It is by his Holy Spirit that we're able to receive and to walk in his peace. I read this and I thought it was really interesting. It says, when Christ was about to leave the world, he made his own will. You know, the will in the Testament. His soul he committed to his father. His body he bequeathed to Joseph to be decently interred. His clothes fell to the soldiers. His mother he left to the care of John. But what should he leave to us, to his disciples? 
those that had left all for him. Silver and gold, he had none. But he left them that which was infinitely better, his peace. I not only give you a title to it, but I put it in possession of who you are. So that legacy, he has bequeathed to us, and it's peace. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now, during the last, I would say about a week ago, I would say, I had just a really unique encounter with the Lord. Um, I have just gone through some health issues and, and some, some things that, that I've had to battle physically over about the last six weeks. And um, every single day, every single evening, I have been taking communion because I really felt like the Lord was saying that my healing was at his table, his body and the blood. And, and so I can't remember what night it was, but I know that um, Les and Noah and I were sitting at the table and we had communion. And then I, I was sharing with them that I was feeling just really, it was Mother's Day that night. I was feeling just really uneasy. And, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I just felt just this uneasiness in my spirit. And, you know, the, I've been contending with a lot, so it wasn't like I had some new news. It was just something that was supernatural that I was dealing with in my spirit. And, and I remember um, earlier that day I was sitting out on the patio, and, you know, the birds were chirping, and, you know, it was just this really peaceful, serene setting that people would probably envision as peace. And I did. I felt this overwhelming sense of the peace of the Lord. And I remember saying to the Lord, Father, I don't ever want to go back to the way things were. I don't ever want to go back to a life of, of striving or anxiety. I want to walk in your peace, whatever that means. And, and, and it was just a conversation that I had with the Lord. And then our, we had company and we had a full day. And then this evening came, we took communion, and I was feeling this un unrest. And so I went to bed and I went to sleep, and the Lord ministered to me in my sleep. Now, this is not uncommon, but this time it was just really unique because he ministered these scriptures to me and, and really um, a commission of going forth into the new. And it was Matthew 10, verses 5 through 15. He didn't read the passage, quote, unquote. Okay, just to let you know. <laughs> I just woke up with this passage in my mind, and I knew that he had been ministering to me. These 12, and it's, it's Matthew 10, 5 through 15. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purse, no scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city... You shall enter, inquire as to who is worthy, there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it not be worthy, let your peace return to you. And whatsoever shall not receive, whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of the house or city, shake the dust off your feet, Verily I say unto you, it shall be no more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. 
Now, this was really interesting to me because God was really giving me a picture of ministry in the future. And not that we have not lived this and, and demonstrated this in the past, but it just spoke so strongly to me about the, the significance of his peace. You know, peace is the willingness to embrace the desire and mission that's been granted by God. So when we go forth in apostolic ministry, if we go forth and there's people that aren't in agreement with the assignment that God's given to us, whether it's a house, a church, a city, or a nation, we're instructed by Jesus to shake the dust of our feet and move on. Now, dust, it's interesting because we're made of dust, and dust is that, that is very contrite. It's carried upon in the wind, and it's willing to move in the ways of the Spirit. So when we receive that rejection of peace, we shake the dust of our, off of our feet as a prophetic act demonstrating the rejection of the ways of God. Now that is tragic. But sadly, the church is laden with this kind of rejection in ministry. And it's the ministry of peace and of righteousness, and it's neglected. But for us, we are the righteous nation. And he is training us and developing us and mobilizing and will be so in the days ahead to welcome the kingdom of God where he sends us. That's our primary calling. Right? And, you know, I, when we talk about peace, and I, 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 I can't help but hearken back to the baptism of Jesus and, and, and about what God has called us when we go forth in ministry, when we go forth to, um, to be um, ministers of his peace. When Jesus was baptized, when the, the heavens were rent, and he came up out of that water, and that dove ascended, descended upon him, and it rested upon him, that's the Holy Spirit. And, and we know that symbolically... The Holy Spirit and that dove is a symbol of peace. And so what I know that I know that I know, that during this season, the Lord is cultivating this peace, the presence of his Holy Spirit in every single one of us, that we are so full with that, that when he sends us forth, he's going to send us forth as ministers of peace to minister that peace. And whoever rejects his presence, and we know we can't separate the Holy Spirit, the dove, the peace from sonship. So, who, so when we go forth, we have to know what's in us because what's, it's not about what we know. It's about who we know, and it's about who's in us. And that's his presence. That's the Holy Ghost. And that's what he's filling us with. That's what he has filled us with. I prophesied the other day, I think on radio, that... Pentecost, I believe he's going to fill us afresh. <laughs> believe for that. So then when we are sent forth again, we are ministers of peace, and we go into that city, we go into that house, we go into that church, and our main objective is peace. Because peace represents his eternal plan, his eternal mission, that he has called every single one of us as sons of God to walk through, to, to traverse through, to battle through, into a point of fulfillment and completion. That is what we are ministers of. And so that is our ministry. We are ministers of peace. And so when the Lord ministered to this to me in the night, you know, I was, you know, I was 
feeling this contention and I was feeling this uneasiness because I don't know what the future looks like. We're supposed to be in France this weekend. I grieve over that. But I trust him. And I know he's going to redeem the moment. But my place right now is to be standing right here as a minister of his peace. And for him to minister that to me, to fill me to overflowing so that when he does send me back over there, I'm going overflowing with his presence and his peace. Don't miss the moment. He is doing this in all of us. I want that dove to rest upon me. And I want his spirit to fill me. Amen? So... I have a couple of more passages, and I, I, I want to touch just for a minute on um, this passage in, in Philippians 4, because really, you know, how do we do this in this world when the world is crazy? <laughs> there's so much tension. There's so much division. There's, I mean, we don't need to go down it. We are just living in a world that is just antichrist. And, oh, I shouldn't have declared that. I take that back. Lord, this earth belongs to you, <laughs> and you are going, your glory is going to be revealed on this earth. But the moment, and, and, and you know, we're in this world, we're not of this world, and, and so how do we do it? Philippians 4, beginning with verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by persuke and diasis. With Eucharistia, let your requests, your petitions be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard, will keep. This, list, this word literally means will protect you, will be a watcher for you in advance. Your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the peace of God will be with you. This is our responsibility. And, and God has taught us so faithfully that, that when those anxious thoughts come, when we're bombarded with things of this world, we've got to supplicate. We've got to be in a point of supplication where we're drawing upon his heart in that place of need. And then we come forth with prosuke, with that confident declaration and praise based on what he has promised. And then we apply it in the Eucharistia with grace, knowing that his grace will accomplish it. This is who we are. This is our function. So don't let the things of this world bring anxiety and bring fear. But do these, as he said, all these things that you have learned and received and heard of me, do them. And the peace of God will be with you. This is a discipline. And it's so necessary. And this has been me through this whole season. <laughs> and then spiritually minded, Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and it is peace. How do you be spiritually minded? 
You recognize that you are a citizen of heaven. You be in this world, but not of it. You pray in the spirit. You interpret by the spirit. You be open for God to use you as a son in the kingdom. You ask him for dreams and visions and prophecy. You partner with the angelic. You be strengthened in your inner man. You hunger for the deeper things. You remember your first love. That's how you do it. You be filled with the spirit. Know who you are and walk in the spirit. And then the last passage is really a testimony. And I really wasn't intending to do this, but I'm going to because the Lord told me to. This is, um, this is um, the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm just going to share a little bit about what God did. Luke 8, 43 through 48. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stopped. Amen. Thank you. And Jesus said, who touched me? And we know this is hap hapto. When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitudes throng thee and press thee and saith, who touches me? And Jesus said, somebody has touched me. He knew it. For I perceive that dunamis has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. This is why he's having me do this, because I am not hid. I am not to be hid. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. This means be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. And then he says to her, go in peace. This is really just a testimony um, of what I have lived over the last number of weeks. I won't go into detail, but I, I've been battling sickness for six weeks and had multiple doctor's appointments. Um, it was bronchitis. It was corona testing. You know, it was all of those things for a number of weeks, and then... I came upon an issue just when I was getting over the, the bronchitis with an issue of blood. And upon going to the doctor, tests had to be done, and then subsequent surgery to remove what was causing the bleeding. And I'm sorry if I'm getting too personal, but um, the Lord was in it. The Lord was with me. The Lord walked with, walked with me through it, and I walked in peace through it. And through it, he ministered his peace to me. But I was afraid. You know, your natural mind is at enmity. I mean, I was afraid. I, 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 I lived in peace, but the enemy would come against me and bring, try to bring fear. And so I would exercise these things. I would apply these things that I knew that the Lord had been ministering to me. There was a lot of uncertainty but what I knew was whatever the result of was of, of the biopsy, whatever it was, I trusted the plan of the Lord. 
But what I had to come to was a place where I knew that his plan was perfect and I knew that he would work through it, whatever that meant. If it came back benign, if it came back fine, hallelujah, I would celebrate, of course. If it came back cancer, if it came back something that was challenging, I knew that he would walk me through it in peace and bring me to an expected end and bring me to a point of fulfillment and completion. That's what my spirit knew. But I still dealt with uncertainty and I dealt with fear. And I waited and I waited, you know, the wait. And, and he was in the waiting. He taught me about patience, to stay under and to know who I am and to continue doing what he's called me to do. And so two days ago, Pastor Ron had asked me to come and speak to the French people and to do a session because we, this is the weekend of our French seminar and we're not in France obviously, but we wanted to honor the seminar and so we did live stream teaching for them. And so in the midst of a little bit of anxiety, not about teaching, but just about what I was dealing with, I kept thinking, well, I'm gonna hear from the doctor by then and I'm just gonna be just so light and just so rejoicing, but I didn't. And I kept waiting and I kept waiting for the report and so the day, you know, the time came for me to come up here, and so I prepared whatever God was going to have me to speak, and I went up into the booth, and I honored the Lord and who I am and what he's called me to do. I was faithful to the mission at hand. I was faithful to be a minister of his peace, and, and, and through the whole hour and 15 minutes or however long it was, I knew that that was a moment that I was to press into the hem of his garment. I just knew. Because I knew there was going to be a moment where I was going to supernaturally know that he had come through my body and healed me. But I hadn't known the moment yet. And it was coming to the, like, the very, you know, it was Friday, so it was coming to the very last hour when. And so I, I say all that to say that as I sat up there and I ministered, his fire shot through me. His fire. As I pressed into the hem of his garment and I touched him. And I accessed that fire that ignites purpose. That, that, that ignites our function and what we're called to be and to do. I could feel it just surging through my body. And I finished... And I, I said goodbye to Luke and Sylvie, and I walked out. I, I drove home, and I still, you know, I, I mean, I was rejoicing because the Lord had just ministered this, you know, peace through me, and I knew that he had touched my body. And about 15 minutes after being home, the doctor called <laughs> and told me that everything was benign, that everything was clean, that I was fine, that I was, I was perfectly fine, that they got it all, and it was all gone. And so I have to say, as Jesus said to this woman, go in peace, I go in peace. I go in his peace because he has given it to me and he has given it to you. And it is what we are called to live and to minister. And I, I, just, I just pray that his spirit 
just really ministers this to you, that you know who you are, that you know that his thoughts are upon you and they are peace and they are to bring you to a point of completion and a point of everything that he has spoken over your life and what he has called you to accomplish will be done. It will not return void because you are walking in his peace. You are walking in his pathway. And let this season be a time where he truly, truly cultivates that in and through you so that when we are released to go forth, you will be that minister of peace. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we thank you so much for the privilege it is to serve you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for, for your, your, your mission and your plan. We thank you that you've called us to be sons. We thank you, Lord, that you allow us to be able to partner with you through the battle through the trial, through the pressures. Lord, help us just to surrender to all that you're doing in and through us during this season. And Father, have your way in us and prepare us for the days ahead. Lord, help us to remember that we walk in your peace, that we are ministers of your peace, and that we will see an incredible victory over and over and over again as we walk with you through eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.